0: Now introducing the Minor Wisdom Trio. Minor Wisdom. Hey, girl. This week I've got Linda Major, and it's taken a while now, uh, but now we've got a Major Minor Wisdom podcast. Uh, it's really great. My dad named his dog. Major, so that, there it is, so that we could call him Major Minor. Mm, It's a dad joke that my dad had been making since he was born. Um, The history of the Minor family is that we were, my grandparents, my dad's parents came over from German, from Deutschland, and... They were given the last name Miner because it was the closest thing to Mininger that was in the name books when they came over in, uh, at Ellis Island. So, um, yeah, so that's the history of Miner. So really, Miner has not been a long, uh, uh, it doesn't have a lot of, uh, a long generation or generations of, of Miners uh, on, in our family. Mininger? Yes. Miners? No. And I'm the end because I had two daughters. Unless they insist on, you know, using their name, whether they marry a man or a woe man, uh, you know, maybe they'll. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I am. So we'll see. Anyway, that's not why I'm here. Linda Majors on again. Uh, she was one of the names that. So this is how sometimes it works. I don't always use my podcast pimps to tell me who I should have on, but Linda Major was mentioned as a director, uh, an influential director. And so I literally, as the interview was happening, looked up Linda Major, messaged her, and she was more than gracious to come on. You know, last week I mentioned the Mab Technical Theater. And just to reiterate, I've got to talk about it again uh, because uh, time is running out for you to sign up. Uh, First of all, you want to visit Mab at theatercom That'll give you all the dates and the sign-up and such. And Mel had her own announcement this week, but she's the M in Mab. Uh, so if you if you have a passion for the tech theater side of things and you want to kind of dabble in the world of sound costuming and scene painting, it's a really just great opportunity. So this summer, uh, the Mab people, are hosting tech theater workshops and they're accredited and they offer a hands-on experience in those key areas. So the workshops are taught by professionals. So you don't have to worry about like, you know, just some rando and they understand what it's, you know, like to be a theater educator. They, they, they know the world, so they're not going to talk to you uh, like you have everything you ever needed because we know that's not true. You, you know that you're required to wear, a lot of hats like directors have to wear a lot of hats to do all this stuff so um if you don't have a td or if you're not a td come check things out you know what i mean uh get get that edumacation uh the the artist will kind of guide you through the process and give you the skills to pay the bills to succeed and get your production value up so again They've expanded to lots of different locations. So you want to, again, check out MAB, M-A-B, technicaltheater.com. And you don't want to miss out on this opportunity, man. It's going to be really, really great. Uh, you get to explore your passion in all things tech. tick. So sign up for those workshops now. Uh, I am leaving the classroom. I am not leaving education. I am leaving the classroom. I am leaving the best Technical theater job you could ask for at the John Cooper School. It is one hundred percent the best job you could ask for. Um, I absolutely love the job. I was not looking for a job. This job, kind of in a weird way, uh, you could say, fell into my lap. Um, I may have inquired about like what would this job look like, but it wasn't me inquiring because I was ready to leave. It was me inquiring because I'm always interested, and I'm leaving for Covenant. Uh, Covenant Communications is their website. But they are an amazing, well-respected visual, lighting, uh, projections, LED walls, which I'm excited about, and some sound. Some of that stuff, uh, they do it all, really. And uh, I'm going to be under the education department team with Katie Cross, with the Katie Cross. She will be my direct boss, which was kind of a rhyme. Katie Cross, my direct boss, is ready to boss. No. Anyway, I'm, I'm literally beyond excited. Like, I can't tell you. I, was, I thought I was excited when the John Cooper School hired me and offered me the job. Uh, this is a different level of excitement because I am going to be able to go into classrooms and go into environments where there are people that need some assistance and education in some technical theater fields, uh, and most notably lighting, especially lighting, but I'm willing to offer assistance where I can. Um, And I'm going to be able to impact more people. And uh, selfishly, that's what I like to do. I like to kind of educate the masses. Uh, when I was a tour guide for the Houston Astros and one person would show up for a walk-up tour, I would, there was a clear difference between that tour and a tour where there were 25, 30 people. Uh, because I just, I just enjoy crowds um, when it comes to me entertaining them. I don't necessarily enjoy crowds like at a concert or something, but that's different. Um, but when I'm in control of a large crowd, it's, there's no better feeling. So anyway, I'm, I'm moving to covenant. I couldn't be more excited. Um, it's literally just, it's an, it's a dream job on a different side of the, of the, like where the job spectrum, you know, whereas John Cooper's a dream job. This is another one. Something else I, I didn't mention last week. I don't really know why, but I, uh, we're using this stuff called pulp art, um, it's sprayed cardboard pretty much. It's cardboard. It's it's pulp. It's anyway, and I was cutting some and I cut my thumb real bad that I had to have stitches in my thumb and they stitched me through the nail. That's how bad the cut was. Anyway, moving on. So that show that I was cutting (laughs) some of that pulp art for is a count of Monte Cristo. And if you are friends with me on Facebook, you're about to get bombarded next week. I'm going to post kind of a process uh, reel of the set that was built. It is easily from the biggest set I have ever been a part of inside of a black box. Um, that's inside of a black box, not on a proscenium, but this could, this, this, this is definitely something that could have also been in a proscenium space and been just as massive and just as impactful. It is the largest set I've ever done in a black box and this includes my hspva days where we did some big a sets but this thing from the from the facade if you're looking at it from the house looks like oh it's just a couple walls right it's not i'm gonna do a little video tour uh next week once it's really all said and done and we have all the lighting set up and everything but um it is so big um and it's the show opens next week we had to make the opening Thursday. Yes, we had the rights, uh, cause we were going to do a preview anyway, but we are making the opening next Thursday because tickets sold out Friday, Saturday, and Sunday real quick. But if you do have interest, you know, reach out to me. I'll try to squeeze you in, but, uh, it's a County Monte Cristo, uh, should be a relatively good show. Now keep in mind, this school is not known for its acting prowess. Now we have had Mallory Bechtel at the school and a couple of other halfway decent uh successful actors and actresses but uh we're not turning them out like uh you know like uh like other schools you know so anyway that's it that's enough rambling I hope everybody's doing well uh I hope you're you know ready for the end of the school year um you know we're gonna start uh uh wrapping things up relatively quickly. We got star testing coming up. We don't do star, but my daughter does. And so it's just like the end of the year is upon us. It is here. It is here. For some of you it's six, seven more weeks. For some of you it's less. But I hope you're all pushing through. This week again I have Linda Major on uh man, maybe it's Linda Mejor. No, it's Linda Major, but uh She's on. It was a really fun chat, and I hope you enjoy it. Please continue to support the podcast. Leave a review, some stars, good stars, lots of stars. Purchase a shirt, all the good stuff. Yeah, yeah. enjoy the, the the interview.
1: I grew up in a very small town, uh, North Texas, Pilot Point, Texas, and I promise you, they did not have theater in Pilot Point, Texas. But as a kid, uh, and I was the youngest of five, I guess I was a diva from the very beginning. I loved any type of performance that I could do. So I had my own love of theater without really any exposure. My parents were great, but uh, they certainly didn't expose me to the arts. So whatever... I did, I learned through reading and I don't know, just experimenting on my own. So that was kind of my uh, you know, background in not having theater. In high school, uh, it was offered one semester and she was a beautiful woman named Sunny Yates. And I thought I'd died and gone to heaven because I had a theater teacher and she was there one semester. Not sure whatever happened, but um, unfortunately, I never even got to do one-act play. Didn't know what one-act play was. So I was about as green as they come, but um, I decided I was gonna go off to college and I was going to major in theater. Now, wasn't sure what I was gonna do with theater, My dad had a fit, you know, because he was afraid that I couldn't support myself. My mother wanted me to be a nurse, but they were supportive and they're like, all right. And I started at Abilene Christian College. At the time, wasn't the best theater program. But uh, somewhere along the way, as I was deciding, no, I probably wasn't going to pursue acting as a career, I guess it was really my junior year that it kind of hit me that it's like, wait a minute, I love this. And I love theater. I love kids. I'm going to teach theater. And so that was kind of my pivotal moment um, when I decided to go into education, ended up um, graduating with a BSE in education, from Mary Hardin Baylor, and I had a teaching certificate at the time. I think speech and theater were kind of combined and an English background. So right after I got my degree, I got to teach at a middle school for one year in Killeen. And then from there, um, I was married at the time and we moved to Alaska. So That was a really big change for me. And it was really hard to get a job teaching in Alaska. Number one, they paid extremely well, but I was just new and green and went in and told them, oh yeah, I can coach basketball, sure. I can do cheerleading, yes. And by the way, if I could just have a theater class, you know, so I didn't get my theater class, did have to coach basketball, which I knew nothing about. And I did the cheerleaders. So, but I loved it up there. I made some of the closest friends and just the environment um, was really special. And that's where my daughter um, was born in Alaska. So uh, we have lots of really good memories and I taught there for three years and then, We got out of the military, came back, went to where I was comfortable again, which was the Colleen School District, and got a job at, I believe it was Smith Middle School. Once again, that was my comfort zone. It's like, not sure about high school, and uh, taught there, and then my son was born, and so... Well, actually, before my son was born, we had moved to Leander and knew I wanted a job in the Austin area somewhere. Uh, But at the time, I was eight months pregnant when I was interviewing. And I went to Georgetown, interviewed. And I think they thought I probably couldn't do the job with a brand new baby on board. But I went to Leander And I tried to hide that I was pregnant by keeping a briefcase in front of me. And uh, I was hired and absolutely loved it. And I taught in Leander for the next 40 years. And it went by, I mean, you know, just a snap of the finger. Uh, It went so quickly. But once again, I was in a program. It was a... Tiny 4A school, barely 4A, and they had never had a theater teacher. I think the volleyball coach taught theater um, until they hired me. So I was just naive and just had a quest to do something. So um, I think my first one act play, well, I had no stage, no money, And I had 11 students in my program and four of them were senior guys. And I said, we can do a show. So uh, that's what we did. And so the night before my very first one act play, uh, it was on UT campus. It wasn't hog, but I forget which space it was. It wasn't
0: bass, was it?
1: It wasn't fast. It was was a real little one, but I'm not sure which one. And so, uh, yeah, I had no idea what I was doing. And I had pulled together a set. The play was Gloria Mundi, which they're supposed to be all these normal looking people and you find out they're really crazy. So that was my show. But I went down there and I saw all this gray stuff. And I'm like, And I saw and heard another school talking about it. And I said, well, we've got to use some of that too. So this one senior guy that I'd taken with me, we come back to Leander. We draw out how we might use the unit set with the furniture that I'd already pulled, went in, told my principal, I said, I don't know, but every school has this gray stuff. I said, I've got to have it. And he was like, all right, you got it. His name was Charlie Rouse. I think if one of the most influential mentors I've ever had was that man. And he still is today. I mean, he's like mid 80s and sharp as a tack. But at the time, we would call him dad behind his back. That was really, you know, talking smack about him. And uh, I've never met a more supportive man and man, he was for the teachers. So uh, anyway, on down the line, I certainly did get my UIL set, but the night, I mean, then the day of the show, right before we went on, I was sitting outside and I was just crying because I thought there's gonna be a judge, the one judge, it's going to tell me I don't know what I'm doing and that I certainly shouldn't be in educational theater. And my group of seniors came up to me and they just said, you got to get it together. You know, we got a show to do. And that was kind of my history of uh, starting out in Leander high school. And it ended up with those 11 kids growing to the program of what it was when I retired in 2020, you know, so it was uh, and lots of amazing shows uh, that happened along the way. I had uh, fabulous directors that I learned from. And because I didn't have the exposure, um, like someone getting a degree from a large university and was taught all of this, um, I just had to learn it on my own. And through reading, through studying, and through, I guess, not being afraid to try. You know, it's like my third year. I want to do Moliere. Okay, I'm going to do it. And I got my cosmetology lady on board, and she did these enormous hairstyles for me. I mean, there wasn't any show, because I was probably too ignorant to know that, that I couldn't do. And so that's what I did. And I think it took um, 10 years. I st- After my third year, I never lost district again. But so I think I made 19 appearances regional, uh, four to state um, and a lot of area. So, uh, but the program continued to grow. I was able to hire a tech director, and I had some amazing tech directors that I worked with and just brought a new level. I had community that, you know, they'd never seen a lot of theater in Leander. So anything I did, they thought it was amazing. So, you know, lots of support, lots of love, and uh, that's kind of where I think in, I guess it was in 1998, I decided, though, I'd been at Leander a long time, I decided probably it was time for a change, and so I decided to go back and get my master's uh, at Texas State, and I fell in love all over again with learning. And here was all these people, and that's all we were doing was concentrating on theater, even though I probably was the oldest one there, but it didn't matter. I had more fun with these guys and my professors. um, They even let me for my thesis project of directing a play, they let me use my high school kids. So we would, when I had to go down for, they wanted to see rehearsals. I would put all the kids on a bus, would drive to San Marcos, you know, get off, rehearse. They got to see college performances and some subject matter. Probably I would have been in trouble had the principal known that they were being exposed to, but We had a blast and that was my graduate thesis. What, And I also (laughs) used it that year for my one act. So it kind of did double duty for me. And um, I guess once I got my master's and I was looking at maybe fine arts director, I thought that should be my next logical step. But the more I looked into it, it was going to be, I think more looking at other people's work instead of my own. And I don't know, I was just really happy at Leander. So, you know, the time just really, really went quickly. Lots of shows I took. um, One year we decided we were gonna take kids to Scotland, would have been invited to go perform at the Fringe, and I had gone to state that year with Paganini, and uh, that's the show. Of course, we had to chop a casket in half and ship it on the plane. I, you know, my tech director, Paul Davis at the time, I couldn't have done it if it hadn't have been for him helping me with the logistics of all of that, but we performed over there, and I just think, the exposure that these kids got, I mean, we were there two weeks, you know, was amazing and incredible. And I got to go the summer before for a whole week and see theater. Um, so that was probably one of my highlights of my career um, that I'll always remember. I took students to New York all the time. Uh, loved that. Started taking them in the 80s when um, Times Square wasn't as well kept as it is now. I mean, there was some pretty raunchy stuff in the windows as we walked by, and these little guys from Leander, it's like, oh, my goodness. So we all got an education. but uh, And then London, you know, did several trips there. So I loved what theater not only opened the door for me, but what it did, I guess, for my kids. Um, And I think back on, um, I had a kid evidently that had come from San Antonio School District, uh, a really rough school district. And the principal had told me this kid, really is bad news, but we're putting him in your theater class, you know, and I'm like, well, all right, and turned out that kid was amazing, and I'll never forget after his first show with me, he came backstage, and (laughs) he said, I had no idea I had this much talent, and I guess that'll be with me till my dying day as well you know, to see that spark go off in these kids. It, you know, it's a high that, uh, I don't know, you can't compare.
0: Yeah, to to speak on that last little bit, you said about, you know, a a student, a a misdirected student, right? Uh, Yeah. And you experienced this, I'm sure, but when I was in public school, private school now, we, we don't have ARDS and we don't have there's not a lot of identification of students with any sort of behavioral issues or anything like that. It's kind of, uh, that's a whole nother topic, but, uh, but in public school, you know, as everybody knows, you do the art thing and, um, they go around the table and they ask the, the geometry teacher, how is this kid? And they would give a report so on and so forth. Then they get to the theater teacher and you're like, I don't even know what you guys are taught like this kid is amazing in my class Um, and and there's something and and there's nothing there's nothing that we can do for professional development it's something that I think if a theater teacher figures out how to teach teachers what it is that we do in the classroom that gets these kids to respond the way that they are looking for then that teacher is going to make thousands and thousands of dollars, um, off of professional development, but there's, it's just, it's something that can't be taught to, you know, other, the, the the core quote unquote teachers.
1: Exactly. It's no, I, I agree a hundred percent with you. And so many times that is the case. Yes.
0: Yeah. So, uh, I guess I didn't know that Paul Davis worked with you, (laughs) but, but uh, Paul's on the short list of I've got it scheduled to interview him, too, because I'm an HSPVA grad, so I've got to get, you know, uh, Paul in. Let me
1: tell you, I've never cried so much. We worked together 13 years, and he will tell the story on me that, and, you know, he was a brand new teacher, and, and I just appreciated his work so much that he was had an apartment and he was going to buy some furniture and he said, I'm going to put it on a credit card, but I, I don't know. I said, yeah I said, you know, you're making a good salary now. And so later on he accused me of making him go into debt. So I would stay. So yeah. he would stay. And, uh, yeah, he's an amazing, I learned a lot from Paul Davis, yeah. um, amazing designer and uh, funny you know, we had the best time, would go prop shopping and would know, go to these antique stores. I mean, things changed a lot. When I first started, I would just go to the principal secretary and I would say, OK, Minnie, I need five blank checks because I'm going to go prop shopping. Well, now, you know, it's quite a different story but uh davis and i used to do some serious prop
0: shopping so <laughs> that's great he'd be fabulous
1: yeah he's he's, he's see,
0: he sees the world from a different perspective than most so uh yeah great great guy and i love what he's done at pva and um he's really struggling over there with that brand new beautiful state-of-the-art school i know so
1: oh yeah, yeah. you know i got
0: <laughs> to judge
1: with him in fact just last week yeah <laughs> and man our um We agree on a lot of stuff and and our votes were, you know, almost exactly the same. So it was a lot of fun um, to stay and keep up with it.
0: So my tip of the week, my tech tip, just the tip, just the tech tip is to well i would say cut away from yourself uh if you're going to cut pulp art that's not my tech tip that's just an idiot i'm just an idiot but uh it has to do with the end of the year stuff so one thing that i would do with my technicians at the end of the year is we created we made a small flat just a small flat it doesn't have to be very big you know i would say at least a foot by a foot so you know an, an example of a small flat and then we Learned painting skills on it. And that's a suggestion I would give to you. Um, Train your kids how to clean up the paint, go get the paint. You know, the first couple of days is going to be rough, but by the time you've done it for a few days with your students, they come in, they get the paint, they do what you've asked them to do paint brick, uh, paint um, uh, wood, grain, uh, paint stone, whatever it is that you want them to paint trees, happy trees like a Bob Ross. And it becomes a great end of the year project for them and a way for them to kind of not think about all the testing and all that stuff turns into art class, but it's also a skill that you need for them to understand in order to create beautiful sets. You, you mentioned that and this is fresh on my mind because I just contest managed a contest that, uh, had a new adjudicator, someone that, that this was their first contest. And I knew that, uh, it was kind of me throwing a bone to them to kind of get their, their feet wet a little bit. And one of their fears was I'm not going to agree with the other judges or the other adjudicators. And that was it. That was their only fear. Um, do you, is that common? Is that like a, cause I've never adjudicated.
1: No one, no one wants to be the odd man out, you know, the other two judges placed them second and first and you gave them a six. Yeah. But You know, this is my second year to judge and I know I had those fears my first year. I don't so much anymore. In fact, Travis Poe, I was judging with him the other day and he said, I said, oh, I don't want to be the odd man out or something. And he goes, no, it's your opinion, Yeah. you know? So uh, yeah, you know, but it is kind of scary when you're first doing it. So different being on that side of the stage and looking at it from the whole picture than just my personal, these are my kids. And you know,
0: yeah. Yeah. I, I I will probably never adjudicate. I love contest managing. I absolutely, I think it's such a fun gig, but I'm also an extroverted theater person and not all theater people are, but I have no, yeah, I have no problem getting up in front of a crowd and making a ham of myself. So, uh, I get that from my book. You papers. like
1: doing all the announcing yeah. and of the awards and all that fun stuff.
0: I, I do. And, I, and I'm good with paperwork. So, you know, I think that's, that's half the battle as well. So, oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: Perfect. I have another dear friend and uh, certainly she's a contest manager, but she was the director, Jerry Blake at yeah. Cedar Park oh, High yeah. School. Yeah. And now she does a lot of contest yep. managing. And She's amazing. Yep. And I'm like, ooh, you have to work too hard as contest manager. Yeah. I think I'm better adjudicating, you know. Yeah.
0: She's actually one of the reasons I I do contest manages because uh Philip Taylor had her yes. con- contest manage, I don't remember when it was, it was probably ten years ago almost now. Uh and um I got to watch her do her thing and it I was like, I I could do this. I wanna I wanna have fun doing this and so um, she, yeah, she's, she's definitely a, one of those top tier CMs. So yeah, she's very good. Yeah. She
1: really, and she is so kind to the kids, you know, and because I used to, when I was competing, I had some scary contest managers (laughs) that made you feel like, you know, you were going to be disqualified at any moment, you know? So I just appreciate her for her kindness and Man, she supports those kids. Yeah. yeah, just
0: don't, just don't get in the way. That's what I have to keep telling myself. Don't get in the way. Just let these kids do their thing and
1: do their yeah. thing. Yeah. Yes.
0: So uh, I took a few notes um, while you were talking, but I did kind of treat you kind of like, and you've experienced this as a director and adjudicator now, where you get lost in the show and you forget to write things down. So that guy, there was a moment where I was like. Uh, honed in on your story and so i didn't take as many notes as i usually do but maybe that's a good thing um i first i have to ask because i looked up where pilot point was uh (laughs) sort of northwestish ish -ish Uh of dallas right and the only thing that i saw that stood out to me that was unique was sharka rosa zoo um is that does that ring a bell to you
1: (laughs) no (laughs) if there is you know to my knowledge no. Well, that's uh,
0: that's there. I um, don't know
1: about a zoo.
0: Okay. Um,
1: I, I think theater is still not their strong suit, but yeah. football is.
0: Yeah. Well, there's a McDonald's there, too, so uh, they've hit the big time. Um, there you go. So you have a unique—I uh, caught on that you retired in 2020, which uh, 2020 was a rather yeah. obviously unique year. So what was that like for you retiring sort of without the ability to have that sort of stereotypical normal kind of hoopla on retirement?
1: It was really uh, the whole last year of my teaching to me, even though still just as passionate about the kids, but it was just sad. We didn't, I mean, musicals had become such a big deal for me to direct and we did big, huge, you know, Disney shows, and we did a lot of really fun, big musicals, so I didn't get to have a musical, and then one act we did, but I chose, I thought, well, I better pick a small cast, so I picked the play Proof, well, you know, try to do the love scene with a mask on, just doesn't, you know, that they're saying, well, it doesn't matter to the judges, you know, but I didn't buy it, you know, so it was really kind of sad, although as far as celebrating me, I have to say my boosters, my kids were fabulous, and then I guess in June of that year, then um, I had a big hoopla out at a kind of a resort, and uh lots of former students came back and they sang and danced and you know so that part was fun but it was a sad way to um end my teaching career right
0: yeah yeah that i know a few people that retired that year and um i know one that came back uh but (laughs) but yeah it's uh it was an interest a unique time for sure um There were a few unique things that go along with your story. Uh, One of them that popped out to me, and this is fresh on my mind as well, and this is also related to me, is that I've kind of noticed through all these interviews of, of people that the theater teacher always says, I became a theater person because I was the youngest kid in my family. Uh, and I had to either entertain myself or uh, I was the one imagining things because my older siblings were off doing older sibling things. Uh, I mean, is that something you yourself have kind of seen or witnessed or experienced from either your students or your friends that it's almost, it's never the oldest sibling. It's never uh, Jane or Marsha, you know. (laughs)
1: Exactly. And lots of times that is the case. And the parents will come up to me and go, I don't know where this kid gets this, but he loves it and we're going to do it and support him, you know? So yeah, that's very true. I know uh, it certainly was for me.
0: (laughs) Yeah. What did you do to to kind of entertain yourself? I mean, what was childhood Linda like when?
1: Really taking books and creating plays, you know, and then I think in fourth grade, You know, our long-term memory is so good. Short-term memory, not so much. But in fourth grade, I was in a play called The Unusual Season. And I really wanted the role of summer. But unfortunately, uh, someone else got that role. And I was cast as spring. So, uh, you know, that was my one theater exposure I got into college. (laughs) Not a lot. I just made it up and uh, I had a love of fashion. So costuming has always been a thing for me. I love shoes. In fact, um, when I turned 60, I decided I've got to do something radical. I'm either going to parachute out of a plane or get a tattoo. (laughs) And it just so happened it's all about your former theater students and what they can now do for you. Yeah. So, he was an amazing tattoo artist, Tim Stafford. In fact, he was on the show, I don't know.
0: The Ink LA Ink or whatever it's called. Yes. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. Yeah.
1: He was on that. But I went to him and I said, "And I've had a love of high heels." And so I said, "I want a red high heel tattooed on the top of my foot." And he's like, Let's do it. You know, so uh and he gave me a really good discount. Yeah. So uh, you know, uh, it's all about the former students.
0: I thought you were going to say you got a tattoo while skydiving. Uh, uh, no, <laughs> I never skydived.
1: But it was one yeah. or the other.
0: You know, yeah. George Bush to his dying day like went skydiving on his birthday uh every year and it was it was insane to To watch that, it was crazy. But watch
1: him do that! I can only imagine.
0: (laughs) So it sounds like it sounds like your your disappointment of being spring and not summer is really what ruined you until college. Is (laughs) it it had to be?
1: It had to be. It was a sad
0: moment. Yeah.
1: But uh, I think I was definitely more animated.
0: Right. Than she was. Well, we won't mention her. Um. But uh, uh, you there's also something that uh, stood out to me. Well, there are three things, and I'll, and I'll let you have time to talk about each one of these. I took notes, so I'll, but there are three more things that I kind of have to hit on. One is that you s- stayed, sat, you sat down in a place for 40 years, you know, and that is, um, kind of, uh, a dying art, right, is, is that people, and I, and I'm throwing myself into that world, too, uh, that, that it's just people always, get up and move right and it's even i don't know how much of a sports fan you are but like i'm a big baseball fan and now it's becoming less and less uh normal for a baseball player to stay on a team for a long period of time or basketball you know as sports analogies but what what is it that (laughs) that, what is it that people need to do uh i guess i'm asking for advice to kind of say uh just stick it out kind of go get get over those road humps because it I'm I'm sure all 40 years, although the big picture was amazing, you know, you had your moments of like, I I could do something better, and then you just push through it and you get past it. But uh, how did you end up doing that?
1: Well, I think for me, um, and I know this, you know, sounds so cheesy. I had fabulous administrators all through my career. And I think that is the number one thing. I had one administrator, he goes, well, what nasty show are you going to do this year? You know, and he would always accuse me of doing And then he would go, well, do you think we could win with that? And um, I don't know. I just had the gift of gab with them. So they supported my program. And then when it came the time, which I think, is what spurred me to go um, work on my master's and thought it is time for a ch- I mean, who stays in a job this long? And uh, so I think, but what that did was just ignite my love of learning again and exposure to areas that I hadn't had in my undergraduates, you know, degree. So for me, it just, and then, You know, like Paul Davis coming on board. That was another, you know, it's like, wow. He loved historical, or he loves historical uh, fiction. And so I had not done a lot of plays in that time period. And man, once again, we learned about it and had a blast doing it. I think I've just had fun. And the kids, I always used to tell the kids, I'll know when it's time to retire, when I stop laughing, Yeah. well, you know, that never happened. Yeah. And um, the joke was, I mean, I'll have from 10 years ago, they will say that I told them I was retiring that year, you know, so <laughs> yeah. it became a joke and then, I don't know, you know, you get busy with life and, you know, I raised two kids in the district, And then uh, there might have been a divorce. And, you know, so lots of life things happen. But where I was most, I always said, probably a better um, director than maybe wife. But um, the thing about theater and being at Leander High School, it was home, you know, and no matter what a cruddy morning I had had. I come in, I see those kids' faces, and it's like, you're driving me crazy, but let's do it, you know? Yeah. So I think that's how I got through it.
0: Yeah, that's good. Uh, and and you also mentioned that you taught yourself a lot, So uh, and then went on to say that you did kind of big, extravagant musicals. So uh, how did that process work for you? How did you end up going from kind of really never doing theater until your college days to learning, directing, producing, being a theater teacher for a musical is not easy at all. Um, right. How did you, how did you, did you, I'm assuming you slipped and fell a couple times times until you figured oh, it out, but yeah. Uh,
1: many times, yeah. but I surrounded myself too with really good people that could help me. I mean, when I first started directing, And first couple of musicals, yeah, it was just me and a piano player, you know, (laughs) and that's kind of where we started. But, you know, I'm a very competitive person and, uh, you know, I wanted it to be bigger and better. And, you know, um, if I didn't know a particular time period, I would read and research and just did the work on my own. And um, I think if there's, as I'm judging now and looking at some of these very new directors, you know, it's okay if you don't have a lot of experience, you just got to get in there with your kids and, you know, let them help you, you know, figure it out. I might be blocking a scene and I'm going, guys, I'm having a meltdown here. It's not working. What needs to happen? Yeah nine times out of 10, you know, they've got a better answer than you. So, you know, it just kind of evolved. And, um, one woman said one time, she says, I just want to come and observe you and see how you do this. And I said, you're more than welcome to observe. I said, I don't know how I do it. (laughs) It's just, you know, it's inside me that, um, I want to tell that story. And, uh, watching my last musical that I did get to do was Mary Poppins. And we brought, I don't know, two or three middle schools over like the sixth grade class, watching them as the characters flew and you know, yes. At the very end of that show, every sixth grader was just up on their feet and cheering. And I was sitting there crying, you know, wow. They're pretty powerful.
0: Yeah. It's again, it goes back to what I said 20 minutes ago about it's hard to tell people and get people to understand exactly what it is we do. It, you, like you said, you can come observe, but uh, unless you just kind of do it, you know, yep. um, you really don't know. So that goes to my next question how, Did you have to kind of teach yourself how to? work with somebody work with a technical director uh you know work with kind of a a partner in crime a co-director if you will uh because I know lots of people and and I'll say my own story real fast but um when I my second and third year teaching I taught with Pam Wilson who also by the way uh did the whole i'm going to retire this year i'm going to retire this year and then 10 years later retired but exactly. <laughs> but uh i had a hard time working with her uh not for her not with any anything against her but it just being uh, a punk kid at the time that um had trouble letting go of control right uh was there anything that did you experience any of that or did you have a hard time kind of adjusting to kind of allowing somebody else in
1: In the beginning, no, because my very first tech director, his name was Cade Seamers. Once again, he was a musician. He was an artist. I mean, we did South Pacific and he had a, what's the airplane called? PB something. I don't know. The front half of the airplane built. It was incredible. And I was so in awe. And I think we both learned We just stayed in our lane, but we still collaborated. And then when I got Davis, Paul Davis, it was the same exact way. Then the story changes a little bit because um, with Davis and I, my standards of what I wanted to see put on that stage were extremely high. And I was probably very, very picky and I was the one that was hard to get along with. I mean, I had some lovely tech directors after that, but I i am sure I probably made them feel at times that they weren't up to par with Paul Davis. So it became uh, a little bit of an issue. And it only happened usually at musical time when it was the most stressful. One act was kind of always my baby and they were there to support and give me the set that I wanted. Musical, you know, we did have to collaborate a lot and I'm sure I was not always fun to work with.
0: That's good. That's reflective. And that kind of leads to uh, one of my wrap-up questions. And that is, what have you kind of in your retirement now, what have you learned? Uh, you're a lifelong learner, you're an educator. We are we learn forever. Uh, in these past couple of years, what have you been able to learn that's new for you?
1: Well, certainly the adjudicator. Uh, becoming an adjudicator um, has been a huge uh, honor for me to continue to try to help kids and um, hopefully give them critiques, something that they can take away from you know, the contest. I also work with through Region 13. I work with um, new teachers that are getting certified. So I go into their classroom. So, you know, I can't get away from education. And um, I did adjudicating this year for musicals. So, um, I think I'm directing this summer, uh, you know, through, uh, CYT and, uh, we're going to be doing a musical. So I guess I'm not near, th- I'm not through not yet.
0: <laughs> so <laughs> what, I'm gonna uh, keep you, you, you adjudicated for the hellers. Yes. Okay. Uh, just clarifying that it wasn't, uh, t- Tommy tunes or, or Dallas summer. Um, but uh, so final question then, and I've asked this of a few people that kind of have a similar-ish story to you in that um, the, they, they weren't really brought up in the world of theater, right? And kind of dove into in their first real strong experience, you know, day in and day out was their first day teaching, right? Um, what is something that Linda now would tell Linda then uh, a bit of advice, or don't worry, or do this, or don't do this, uh, uh, you know, your first day or, or, or so of teaching?
1: I think uh, just having the confidence, because I certainly, even though I jumped in and I wasn't afraid to jump in and try shows that might be deemed very challenging, um, I think that I always didn't have the confidence I would be, I would second guess myself and say, but I bet you so-and-so could do it a lot better. And then lots of times I found out they had never tried, you know, maybe they could have done it better, but they hadn't tried. And I think you just have to try and get in and learn, you know, and see good theater. see good directors. I learned so much from Lucian Douglas when he would come and do clinics for us at the high school. I would bring in a fight choreographer and we learned about that. So I think surround yourself as much as you can. And I know uh, money and budget is an issue for a lot of these schools, but uh, surround yourself, ask for help, I think would probably be it. Don't be afraid to ask for help because it's only going to make you look better and stronger. Minor wisdom.